Well, here we go. Episode number 15 of the On the Road to Damascus podcast with myself, Luke Askew, Anna Von Rempel. And in this week's episode, we speak about the truth. What is the truth and how does the power of the truth set us free? Hope you enjoy this week's episode. Hey Luke, how's it going? Hey Yvonne, how's it going? It's been a tough week this week. It, uh, you know, we always start off our podcast going smiling and cheering. And I ran into a friend who listens to our podcast and he says to me, he goes, Yvonne, it's like, I can hear you smiling every time you speak. Um, but this week it's been a little bit tougher. This has been, um, uh, you know, we wrestle with things. We're very human. We have real responsibilities. We have real issues and, and sometimes it, the struggle becomes a real thing that we identify with. It's not our identity, but we can definitely reconcile it with God. So this week has been a hard week. How about you? <laughs> Thank you for being so honest. Um, my week's been all right, but as, as you're talking about that, it just reminds me straight away of where, you know, God promises us that everything won't be okay, basically. <laughs> he says that we will have trouble in the world. Yeah. And and that's one thing that we've got to be totally honest with, even with the Damascus experience. Yeah. Is one thing that we always have is hope. Yeah. One thing that we always have is faith, trust, peace. Yeah. But we do wrestle. And there are times where we do struggle in the world where circumstances happen in the world that are out of our control. And I think that's one thing that's really, really important. Even when we think about today's topic, yeah. which we're talking about what I say and what God says yeah. is, is really, really interesting about this sense of we go through life feeling experiencing thinking but at the same time as we're going through our own experience god stands solid in truth like god just doesn't move doesn't change he's he's the one thing through our experience that we can place our full belief and strength and trust in because he doesn't change even though our circumstances change even though our mood changes our emotions change god never changes his word never changes because ultimately he is truth and that's kind of what we're going to be speaking about today isn't it yeah, it is and and you're so right i think we in our mind we say we give our life to Christ and we follow him and we go, it's all going to be okay. Now it's all going to be okay. Yeah. As I I'm taking the time and I'm reading the Bible from the very beginning um, again, and I, I go through some of them and I realize, you know, the disciples, you know, they had to leave everything behind to follow him. And that had, that had to be hard for them. You know, or there's times where they had to make a choice or there was, you know, there was times where Paul was in prison or they were on a ship and probably thinking they were going to lose their lives. And 
you know, I read this and I go, that feels real to me that circumstances aren't just happy because we have him. The thing is, while there is a storm raging around me, he anchors me in that storm. Mm. And so even though my emotions this week have been a little bit hard and, and we had a meeting earlier where I probably spent all the meeting just crying my face off. Um, I know that in that meeting, he anchors me to his truth while the storm swirls around me. And in that, that's where I find my peace in, in the world. So mm-hmm. this week, this week in this podcast episode, we're going to be talking about, you know, when we think when we feel, when things happen, God says, hmm. insert blank, God says the truth. You know, I was, um, I teach the, the uh, I teach hearing God classes, which has been amazing. And, you know, in episode, I think it's 12 or 13, we talk about that. And I was at a, I was at a church where I was sharing this experience of mine and I was doing some teaching and somebody came up to me and they said, you know, Yvonne, in my quiet time, this is what I was hearing. She goes, I am not enough. She goes, but then it was like, I could hear this little voice going, you are enough. And she started going down this list. And I literally could have taken this list, put it on a whiteboard and went, this is what you think. This is what God says. And it perfectly aligned the opposite of everything that she said. God spoke differently in it. And I found it so fascinating. And it was actually a point that I took away in my own life because everything that I feel, think, circumstances that are happening, there has got to be a truth that is the opposite of what is going on. Yeah, for sure. And it, I, was, I was speaking to you off air about a revelation that came to mind um, this week. And God, was I was speaking about um, identity. I'm, I'm running a workshop on identity next week. Yay. And we were talking, yeah, yay. And we were talking <laughs> about how people feel so ashamed of, you know, how they look, a lot of self-esteem, self-worth issues that the world are dealing with, feel like they're not enough, not loved, not valued. All the things yeah. that we've spoke about on the on the show. And then I felt like God was leading me to understand a, a real gem in the book of Genesis. And it talks about the moment when mankind fell. Yeah. And um, when Eve ate from the tree of knowledge and Adam. And the first thing that happens in the change of behaviors, well, two things actually happen. First, they had an emotion. Yeah. Then the emotion led them to make a decision. Yeah. So Adam and Eve eat from the tree. And what they do is they look at something that has been there all along. But this time it comes with a different emotion, a different perspective. They look down and realize that they are naked. Now, I'm quite sure they were naked before. <laughs> like they were naked before. I think they were. <laughs> but the Bible says that their eyes were opened. Um, and what they saw was that they were naked. What they felt was that they were ashamed. 
that they were naked. So what they did was hide. So they hid from God. And it says that God was walking in the garden, looking for where Adam and Eve were, um, because, you know, God definitely knew where they were. Um, <laughs> and he was looking for them. And then he's basically saying, you know, why did you hide? And he said, it's because we're naked. And then he says, who told you you were naked? Yeah. Now, the only people that told them that they were naked was themselves. Wow. They were the only ones that said, we are naked. And because we are naked, because what they did was eat from the tree of knowledge, they yeah. decided that it was bad yeah. that they were naked and they came to the decision that they felt shameful. So they hid from God. Now, what's interesting about that whole realization is that we do this on a day-to-day -day basis. Just because you feel like you're not beautiful or you're not enough or you're not this or you're not that, and it comes with feelings and it comes with feelings that make you make choices. Yeah. What it doesn't do is it isn't necessarily truth. Yeah. Because one thing that God has given us all is truth, his word, right? His word is truth. Throughout the Bible, it declares promises, truths, principalities, like principles, all of these things that don't require us to become a judge of do I think this is right or wrong? <laughs> what yeah. it does is that's the truth. So that's what I'm saying. So do it in one sense. That's what's best for you. Yeah. Um, and you think about what God declares over people, you know, saying that you are a child of God, saying that I know every hair on your, on your head, declares that I have plans for you, plans to prosper you and not harm you. There are so many people that believe that God doesn't love them yeah. or God hates them or hasn't forgiven them because of, and the reason why they come to this conclusion is because they feel ashamed of what they've done. They feel guilty of what they've done. So what do they do? They hide. And what hiding looks like to other people is very, very different. They either hide in um, like sinful nature. In other words, you put your head in the sand and you just don't address it and you just go down a rabbit hole and kind of go off the, off the road in one sense. You hide in terms of trying not think about it. You try and justify yourself. Anything to do to try and take away the guilt and the shame that yeah. you placed on yourself, you condemned yourself. Yeah. And what I find really, really interesting, I think it's in Corinthians, and it's the mystery of reconciliation. And there's a difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. Is that the word? Am I saying that right? Yeah, reconciliation. Yeah. Reconciliation. Yeah. Forgiveness takes one person. Right. Reconciliation takes two.
God wants to reconcile all of us. Reconcile, sorry. He wants to reconcile all of us. He wants to make us right. He wants to perfect us. He wants to give us truth. He wants to declare all these things. He wants to partner with us to make us back into the image that we were originally in, in the garden. It takes two people. It takes a choice for a person to come out of hiding, to feel like they're safe with him and to trust him. Forgiveness is free. That was already done on the cross. Yeah. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, forever who believes shall not perish but have eternal life. Whatever you do, you are forgiven. But to reconcile, to make it right again, to go on the journey of becoming who God's called you to be, that's a choice between you. God's ready to do it. But that's a choice that God gives everybody. Um, so yeah, that was quite a long, a long spiel. Um, but it's I a- really, I really do believe that, and that's something that you know I felt like God has has really placed on my heart yeah. for this week. Well, and you know, it's so there's just so much to unpack in that. Um, but there's a, you know, it's amazing how often we react out of how we feel and what we think instead of reacting out of truth yeah. and you can, and you can see the difference. You see, when you react out of what we think um, and what we feel, you'll find that often the world will congratulate you. Yeah. But when you react out of truth, people don't understand what you are doing. They don't because they're not, they don't understand what truth is. See, because I don't believe truth is finite right? Truth is Jesus, which is, I mean, Jesus is, is eternal life, right? But truth is not right or wrong. No. Right. And so when we look at truth through the lens of right or wrong, then what we're doing is we're missing the opportunity of God to work in somebody's life. So, you know, there's, when you talk about the whole, when you talk about forgiveness, the whole world is forgiven, whether you are a believer or not, Jesus died on the cross for everyone, not the people who show up on Sunday, not the people, you know, who just gave their life, not the people like it's, we're talking every single person. He died for every single person, but the choice comes, as you said, when you want to reconcile yourself to God, you have that opportunity to choose truth over the world and you start living in a different way. And that right there is what we call kingdom culture. Yeah. And it's hard. It's hard because people will not understand what you are doing. They, they cannot because they themselves have to reconcile their emotions to God and not to you. They'll try to reconcile with you, but not with God. So when I, I think it was in 2019, God told me to quit my job, which is hard. It was hard because I had a great job. It it made great money. Uh, You know, we were able to do a lot of things with our, with our family, but God said very clearly to me, I want you to quit your job and I want you to stay home with me. And I said, well, (laughs) okay. 
we'll see what happens with this. Of course, this is pre-COVID. So if anybody's listening, I have been in COVID for two years now in isolation. But, you know, that's besides the point. But what happened from that is when I sat down with God and he said, I want you to spend one year with me. That's what he said, one year. All of a sudden, everybody thought that there was different things I should be doing. You should volunteer. You should do this. You have the time to do this now. We need help here. Maybe go work part time. Have you looked at becoming this? You know, and so many things came at me and I was like, and I felt so bad. I I felt bad because I felt I was letting people down. And so I said, okay, I'll go volunteer. And I, and I started applying for jobs and I started going, okay, you know, like I was home with for one month with God, you know, that that's going to be good enough. And I remember one morning I was sitting there and God just said, I didn't tell you to do that, Yvonne. What they feel and how they act, that is on them. Are you going to do what I asked you to do? And at that moment, I had to reconcile myself, not with the world, but with God. I had to reconcile myself. Let me tell you, that was the hardest thing I've ever had to do because I had to tell people who are very good friends with to, to not be fearful on my behalf. I, I had to sit down with my family and go, this is something God is calling me to do. And we're going to have to pitch, pinch pennies a little bit more. This is something that is so important and I believe 100%. And it wasn't something that I did um, without talking to my husband. It wasn't something. So, no, this isn't a decision I made on my own. But this was something that after six months and you have bills to pay because the world doesn't stop. The world still has to, you got to pay your bills. You got to pay your mortgage. You got to do all of that. And there is a fear that starts creeping in, into the home. And I'm sitting there, God saying, I didn't tell you to go back to work yet. I didn't tell you to go back to work yet. And I'm sitting at home day after day after day. And it gets harder and harder. All of a sudden out of the blue, God's like, I'm going to make sure that everything is going to be okay. Now, I'd love to say that we were getting checks from here and checks from there and money was raining down. That didn't actually happen. But what did happen is that we never wanted. Everything that we needed was provided for, needed. Every bill was paid. Every mortgage payment was paid. We had food in the house. And then we just started learning how to live out of what God was giving us instead of what we thought we needed. That change, that shift that you talked about, that reconciliation, living in that truth. You know, at the beginning of the podcast, I said it was a tough week because here's the thing. Even though you reconcile once, you constantly have to reconcile. Yeah. It's, it's a constant choice to shift yourself into the presence of God instead of the world. Because the world is always going to be knocking on your door. It's, you know, it's like kids when they want your attention. I have teenagers now, but when they were smaller, if I went into a room, they'd be like, mom, 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 mom. And they bang on the door. Mom, 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 what are you doing? What's happening? What's going on? What are you doing? Where are you going? Are you going somewhere? Mom, mom. That's like the world is constantly going like this at me, right? And God is saying, come sit with me in peace. Yeah. And I'll be in peace but there's sometimes where I get up and I answer that door and I'm like, what do you want? And I accidentally open it and then I have to close it again. And God is never upset when that happens. He tells you what you need to do. It's just turning right back to him. It's just going right back to him. 
but it does take a toll on your emotions. It does take a toll on your home. And so learning to reconcile is, is something that I, I think that we need to remember as people who walk with God, it's an, it's a choice. We get up to reconcile every single day. Yeah. You, you know, you've said a lot there. I need to unpack that <laughs> as well. Um, <laughs> but it's so true about making that choice and, it makes me think about um, them them decisions that we make, right? We go through life and, you know, we call these Damascus experiences, whether the, the encounters, but ultimately along the journey of this Damascus experience, we see Saul being called by name. Yeah. We see him turning around. But ultimately what Saul did is he, he had to come to make a choice. Is he going to follow? Is he going to follow God? Is he going to go to Damascus? And the, and and whatever. Now, what's interesting is that God blinds him. Yeah. God blinds him, and what what I mean by that is he he blinds him to the point where he blocks out every other voice, yeah. every other distraction so that all that Saul could remember and see was Jesus. Mm. Yeah. The last thing that Saul saw on the road to Damascus was Jesus standing in front of him. Yeah. Now, if he wasn't blinded, if he continued just to walk, eventually he would have seen other things. He might have met someone on the road who would have gone, did you really see that? Like, there's nothing here. Like, what what happened? Like, are you sure yeah. you're not seeing things? And before you know it, maybe starts to doubt. Maybe he starts to look around him and go, there's nothing here. It's such a long way to Damascus. Shall we just turn back? But what Jesus yeah. did in that moment is he blinded him so that all he saw was the promise that he gave yeah. him. All he saw was the words that he said. So he just leant on that word, of yeah. go to Damascus, you're going to go here, you're going to go there. And this is what happens is that God calls us to live by the spirit. Yeah. And what that means is to live by that pull, that word, yeah. that promise. And you've got to be so fixated. You've got to be so focused on him. It's the only way to navigate through the world, which like what you said is so noisy, has so many distractions, so many desires, so many passions. And the truth is, is I'm not saying that what's out in the world is bad, like it's good or bad or any of the lesser things, but you've got to get to the point of going, but what do I know that is good? What do I know that is true? What is truth? And just keep following that road. And I think what's really, really interesting, you 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 talk about leaving your job. The same thing happened to me um, probably about, I'm going to say about 12 months ago, about a year ago. And I felt like God was saying to me at the time, I want you to stop what you're doing. And at the time, it was probably a bit more than 12 months, actually. It definitely is now. It's like maybe a year and a half. 
um, get lost in time now. I feel like yeah, it, COVID's <laughs> really messed my times up on everything. Yeah. And yeah. I was thinking a year ago we were going into lockdown. Um, so it must have been like two years ago. And at the time, I just established myself in um, a new area of influence within the education system. It was doing yeah. really, really well. Financially, it was blessing me massively. Yeah. And then I really felt like God was saying, lay it down. Yeah. Just just put it down. And at the time, I was quite a new Christian, if I'm honest. And But I was desiring it. I was thirsty. I wanted to do yeah. what was for him. And I was wrestling with it. And I was going, well, that doesn't sound right to me, God. Like, it's successful. The job that I'm doing is really impactful. Yeah. The teachers are saying I'm doing a great job. The kids yeah. are benefiting from it. The communities yeah. benefit from it. Like, this is amazing. Yeah. What are you on about? You want me to stop it? And he's just like, <laughs> just lay it down. Yeah. And I went through that whole wrestling process, trying to bargain in with God. Now, surely I can just keep doing this and do whatever you're asking me. Yeah. And he wasn't letting it go until I laid it down. It reminds me of when God asked Abraham to lit, to lay down Isaac, his one son, yeah. um, on the altar. Now, God was never going to allow Abraham to to kill his own son. What he was doing in that moment was one testing Abraham, um, making him realize his his, his priorities, and two, it also mirrored basically. I'm about to do this to my own son. So the promise that I promised through you is going to come through my son who I'm going to actually crucify. (laughs) Um, So it's all linked into that, but I think about it with my own business and I'll go, I wrestle through it and I'm like, okay, I'm going to lay it down. And I remember having the conversation with my wife and I was like, I need to stop. And at the time, like she was, I would say barely at all, like, spiritual <laughs> like yeah so she was like you doing what it's our only <laughs> income she wasn't working because we had a baby we had to pay rent and I was like no God's telling me to stop doing this so to her she's like you are nuts like you're about to yeah. sacrifice our home we're going to be homeless mm-hmm. and I was naive I think my naivety actually helped in the situation because I was like, it'll be fine. Like if I, if I wasn't so immature at the time, I probably wouldn't have given it up. Um, but I was still kind of like, it'll be fine. I think God's telling me just to stop doing what I'm doing to quit my job. Um, so I just did it and, and yeah. God provided what we needed. Yeah. Um, he provided the rent. He provided every single bill speaking opportunities came up at the right times. We just, we just got by, but I look back now two and two years, two and a half years later. And I asked my question, why did God do that? And I realized the reason why he was doing that wasn't because what I wasn't was doing was bad. Yeah. It wasn't anything to do with it because what I was doing was good in one sense. It was producing great fruit. Yeah. It was to do with me. Yeah. It was to do that I was doing it out of a place of my identity. There were still things that he wanted me to go deeper in 
with him. He yeah. wanted to work on me and my self-image, what I believed about myself. And he valued me over what I was doing and all the people that I was helping. I look back now, he was like, I'm doing this because I love and care for you. Yeah. And and that and that's the thing is at the time we think, oh, that makes no sense. <laughs> but he knows it's not meant to make sense to you. Like, no. and that's about what trusting in God is saying. It's like when you listen to a parent. Yeah. Like at a young age, this is why yeah. the Bible talks about be like children. Why do yeah. you think it says be like children? Because the majority of the time before they get to teenagers and they start rebelling and they start going, well, I think you don't know nothing. Um, yeah. But at a young age, like a child, yeah, you go, Noah, come over here. And you just come. No, yeah. can you just do this? Okay, dad, just yeah. go like that. And I just want you to stand there for two minutes. Okay, dad, because they trust me. They trust yeah, think, that what I'm doing, I'm not going to put them in danger. And that's the relationship that God wants with us. Yeah. And I think the, you know, the verse where it says where Jesus is sitting there and the disciples stop the children and Jesus says, let the little children come to me. And I often think it's, you know, I think we think that it's, you know, we need to be more childlike in wonder. And in some sense, I do. I think we need to be more childlike in wonder. But as as you said, you know, every time I read that, I go, it's not because of wonder. It's because he's showing them that when he calls them, they will come. Obedience. When he calls them, they will come. They're, they're obedient. Not because they've been trained to be obedient. Because it's within their nature to want to be with Jesus. It's in their nature. It's in everyone's nature, you know, and the more, and the younger that they are, they haven't developed that knocking on the door per se, you know, as I said earlier. So nothing is, is drowning out the voice that is being called to them. You know, I think about the first time I ever um, went to Bethel church and I was had a radical encounter with God. It wasn't at Bethel Church. It was, you know, it was you know six o'clock in the morning when I was walking there, you know, and and people ask me, you know, how many encounters have you had when you've gone to Bethel? Now I've gone to Bethel four times, and every time I've always had a massive radical encounter there. And I was thinking about that this, you know, this week as I, I myself was reconciling and I was saying, you know, God, how come every time I had this massive encounter with you, it was way down there. It was there. And he said to me, he goes, because it's quieter there. And I said, what do you mean quieter? He goes, because you don't carry the weight of the world when you go there, Yvonne. What you do is it drowns out, it drowns out the noise and you're able to hear the things that I'm really deeply trying to speak to you. Now, I'm not saying I've never had an encounter in my own home. I've had plenty of encounters with God, you know, in many, many times. But those ones, those Damascus experiences, the ones that just shaped and changed the course of my life happened in a place where I wasn't carrying the weight of the world, where I had an opportunity to drown out the noise and just sit in the presence of God. And I think that's why a lot of people go to, you know, churches and they go, how come I can have an encounter here, but I can't, you know, it's so hard to have it in my own church. I don't think it's your church. 
And I don't think it's the lack of the presence because God's everywhere. What I think is, is that we, we sit and we're with, we're sitting beside our husband who we probably had a fight with that morning and our children are acting up again because, you know, I, I, as much as I love them, you know, it's difficult being a parent, you know, and I'm thinking while the the sermon is talking about how I'm going to pay my bills or how I'm going to do this. And we're constantly carrying the weight of the world as we go in there. And then we wonder why we can't encounter God to, to deeply fall into the presence. And it works every time we go somewhere, but it never works here. And I, that was my realization is because I have to stop carrying the weight of the world when I'm trying to encounter God. You know, I have to stop listening to the world and tuning more into God. Yeah. And that, and that really has been a, a big takeaway from, you know, from how I interact with God. Um, but I do have a story I want to I tell. Please do. So um, I've mentioned on our podcast before that we lost our house in a house fire uh, two years ago. Um, and if you haven't heard, I know it's on an episode. So this is only episode 14. So you can go back and listen to all of them. You'll hear it's a mm-hmm. great story. <laughs> anyway, three years, three years before my house burnt down, God told me that I would get a new house. And I went, yes, because the house we bought, I mean, is it was wonderful. It was a great, we got it from some wonderful people. It was amazing, except our basement flooded every year because of, you know, where we live. And mm-hmm. uh, so it was difficult. We had two, you know, growing boys in one bedroom and, you know, we only lived on our upstairs floor and for a family of five, it was very difficult, but God says, you're going to get a new house. So, you know what I did? I went house hunting because that was the only logical sense. It was what his truth fit into my world. Yeah. Your worldview. My worldview. Mm. His truth fit in my world. That means I have to sell my house and buy another house. That's, that's the only way it worked for me. Except, you know, three years later when my house burnt down and, you know, did God cause my house to burn down? No, no, he did not. He was preparing me for truth, though. He was preparing me for something was that was coming up. Yeah. yeah, he was preparing me. And, you know, I bring that up because I, lo- I love the story of Abraham because I love the intimacy that he had with God. Um, and God gave him a promise. And the promise was you were going to have a son. And for years, him and Sarah, you know, were married and they, they never had any children. So the truth of God through Sarah's lenses of the world where you need to sleep with my lady in waiting, or I'm not really sure what it was, what she was. You need to sleep with her. Maid. Maid. Yeah. And he did that and he did it not because he didn't believe in God's promise, but because he couldn't reconcile that the truth didn't look the same on the in the world. He was trying to, he was trying to fulfill he was trying to God's fulfill. promise. Well, because what we, because as we said at the beginning, what we think and what we feel is never what God says or what, what's going to happen. Right. Mm-hmm. We, we go, we're going to set the captives free in Egypt. Okay. So we finally get all of them and then they get to the, the Red Sea. Well, how are we going to get past this? We're going to part it. 
what? Like, come on. Can we appreciate that for a moment? God says, we're going to, you're going to be free. We're going to part the Red Sea, right? Like if we can look at the stories, you know, where God is constantly saying, I said this, we have to stop going and already thinking or foreshadowing how we think it's going to manifest in life because it, it never happens. And okay. So if you, we are on, on the road to Damascus podcast on Instagram. So if this statement is wrong, drop me, drop me a word on there and I will apologize on our next podcast. But if you've walked through life and you've never said the words, well, that didn't turn out the way I thought. It happens to all of us. Yeah. It never turns out the way that we think it's going to turn out. And the reason why is because we don't know the truth. Well, we don't speak the truth. The truth isn't, isn't from our own ways. Our own, the Bible says that my ways aren't your ways. My thoughts aren't your thoughts. Now we can speak the truth in terms of the word of God. Yeah. But in terms of thinking that our own thoughts and our own ways are the truth yeah. Is a ridiculous thought because God clearly goes, no, 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 your ways ain't the truth and your yeah. thoughts ain't the truth. My thoughts, my truth, my ways, that's what's going on. So you're 100% right. You're on about God preparing you for the home. It makes me think about episode number 12, I think it was, when we bring on the guests speaking about how we hear from God. And one yeah. of the guests speaks about he saw a picture of a red canoe. Do you remember yeah. when he was talking about seeing a vision and he yeah. tried to interpretate the vision? Yeah. I did the same thing. God gave me a picture of a broken leg and I tried to guess how this person broke the leg. Like, it's God the same is, thing with the house. With the we, house. Tried, we, we tried to interpretate the truth. Like God is not asking you to try and fill in the blanks. <laughs> he's asking you to believe in what he's saying. I was saying that this week, right? It's really, 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 really simple, the gospel. All that God says, it goes, okay, all you need to do is believe, period. He's not saying all you need to do is understand. All you need to do is figure it out. All you need to do is do this and do this and do this. And this is what the law was like, right? Originally, the written law was by works. All you need to do is do this. You need to give a sacrifice. You need to do this. And then you need to do that. There's like second guessing, trying to understand. And all that God says is, all you need to do is believe what I'm saying. Yeah. Like it's such an easy concept for a child Think of the concept of Santa Claus, right? If there's any children watching, I mean, you know, Santa Claus is real, right? You know, because you believe. But it's it's that simplest sentence of going, hey, this is true. And you go, I believe that. And because this is interesting, because a child believes Santa Claus is real, what does a child do the night before? Puts out the carrots. Yep. Puts out the mince pies, puts out the milk, goes to bed early, gets the natural pajamas on. They behave based on the truth that they believe. Yeah. Oh, that was good. That was, that was so good. good. That, that was good. They I'm going to say that. Because, because here's why. Okay. Boom. And you said that earlier. 
we behave on how we think and feel, Mm. right? But now what happens if you behave out of the truth? Because it's interesting, right? I was doing a little bit more studying for my identity class this week. I was talking about the 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 three elements of of us, right? And what I mean by that in terms of we have a soul, we have a body, and we have a spirit. And it's interesting about these three different um, vehicles, these three different elements to us and their roles, right? So we we have a soul and what the soul is is us in one sense it's kind of who we are it's our personality it's it has our emotions in it it has our will in it it has all of these things right we have our body which is our senses on the earth our vehicle for the earth and then we have our spirit and the spirit you need both the soul and the spirit to have a relationship with god And the reason being is this, is that you need a soul to glorify God because we glorify God. There's a scripture, I think um, Mary says it, I might be wrong, but I think it's Mary says it. The basis says that I will glorify God with my soul and I will rejoice in my spirit something along them lines. I'd have to double check it, but we glorify God through the way that we live our lives through our soul, through our behaviors, through our choices. Right. But then there's this other sense of rejoicing, having a relationship, receiving words, you know, words, promises, emotions, The receipt, the relationship is of the spirit. Yeah. The glorification is in the soul. So the same thing happens is that when we live by the truth, when we live by the spirit. Yeah. What it does is we live by the spirit. We, we hold on to the promise, the fruit of the spirit amplifies through the soul. Does that make sense? So it shows itself in the work that we do. It shows ourselves because as the scripture says, when Jesus is actually telling people off saying, you know, when I was hungry, you didn't, you didn't, um, you didn't feed me when I was, when I wasn't clothed, you didn't clothe me. And that, what do you mean? In other words, God was saying, you didn't glorify me in all things. And the reason why you weren't glorifying me in all things is because you didn't have a relationship with me. The, the thing is this, what's really, really interesting is the Bible talks about people that will come to Christ and go, um, didn't I prophesy in your name? Didn't I do this? Didn't I do that? Yeah. They're doing all the glorification. They're doing all the works. Yeah. And he goes, depart from me. I don't know you. Why didn't he know you? Because I didn't know you in the spirit. Yeah. We didn't have a relationship. Yeah. You, you you didn't understand the full message. Yes, you were forgiven. And yes, you go out and do all these great things because you think that's the right thing to do. That's what I should do. Yeah. Rather than, no, no, no. What you should do is have a relationship with me. So yeah. what you do do 
is what I say to you, just like yeah. a child. Does that make sense? Well, yeah. And complete sense because, you know, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and life. So, you know, when we talk about this and having this relationship, it's not, you know, it, it doesn't take away from, you know, our, all of our points this entire time, because when you have a relationship with Jesus, that's truth. Mm. That's truth. And that truth manifests through the glory that we carry it, it manifests in everything that we do, you know? So think of, you know, the times where you've been frustrated or really angry and all of a sudden you snap at somebody, but I mean, you weren't angry, but you're not angry at them, right? It's because internally we manifest externally what we are feeling internally. So if our internal, right. Is only, you know, manifesting like if our internal is only things uh, filled with voids of what we need and we're not getting enough. And it's, you know, it's going to the world to just kind of fill that. Then when we externally show, when we project all of that, that is how we're acting. That is how, what would that, what, what is what we're doing? But when we have that relationship with God, you know, we carry the fruits of the spirit. He gives us all of those things. And what I find is, is I don't have to try so hard. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have to try. It's, it's almost like it takes this weight off my shoulders where I don't have to try and where I don't have to try to pretend to be something I'm not. Don't need to perform. I'm just being. Yeah. And being everything he created me to be because I have that relationship with him. I'm just, I'm being. And that takes the pressure off of needing to go in the world and prove myself and try to find my destiny and try to find my calling and search for everything because I don't need those. I don't need them. I already have everything that I need, right? You and I both shared the exact same story. We both quit our jobs. And what did he give us? Everything that we needed, you know, what if we just quit the world and just let him give us everything that we need? What do you think would happen then? Because, you know, quit playing the game, quit playing. Oh, man, <laughs> the game. Right. So the game. <laughs> it is it is a game because there's a winner and loser. Right. There's a winner and loser in a game and we don't want to be the loser. We want to be the winner, right? As you said, the things in the world, we're not telling you the world is terrible. You know, we're scared. Don't, don't go. I have to hide from the world. It's scary. We're, we're not telling you any of that stuff. That's not what we're telling you. What we are telling you is that you cannot look through the lens of the world through a right and wrong because that will have a winner or loser. Mm. When we look through the world through the lens of the truth, we see a kingdom perspective. Mm. I like what you said about, you know, Christmas. So I love Christmas. Oh man, I love it. Every year I could decorate my house. It takes me like a full week to decorate my house because I love Christmas so much. And then I love Christmas movies. And there's this Christmas movie. It's called The Santa Claus. It's my favorite Christmas movie. The whole trilogy. I love them all. But there's something in the very first movie that is said, that has always, always struck, struck me. Seeing isn't believing. Believing is seeing. Mm. When we stop looking 
at the world through the lens of empty needs and empty promises. And we start, start when we look at when we stop looking at the world that way, and we start looking at the world through truth. We start looking at a kingdom perspective. We start looking at heaven on earth. And what we do, what we do is we go, I don't see a broken world. I see heaven on earth. And I start partnering and I start treating people out of heaven on earth instead of broken. I'm not treating a broken person. I'm treating them as Christ sees them. I'm not treating the world as broken. I'm treating it as heaven on earth. When we change that shift into the truth, we have an opportunity to start doing the things God has been calling us to do because we're not trying to get other, our needs filled other places. This makes me think of um, Matthew 5, 8. It says, blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. This purity of just seeing the world through Jesus, seeing the world as good. Now, the Bible does say you've got to hate the world. Does does mention about hating the world. And what I mean by that is I hate the game. Don't hate the people. Love people. Hate the game. Yeah. Hate the winning and losing game. Yeah. I agree. I hate it. I hate the hero and villain game. Oh, we spoke about yeah. this, right? We like, did. We spoke about this not on the podcast. This sense <laughs> of people are either going to be the villains or the heroes. And we're all trying to be the hero and not, and defeat the villains. And then the whole story of the Bible is one ultimate hero <laughs> that defeated the villain on the cross. Finished. And now what? It's like done. And now it became <laughs> now it came a choice. The, the choice was, okay, do you want to still play the game? Yeah. Or are you just going to be free and carry on? Or maybe think of the Matrix, right? Oh, okay. This is really I've, interesting. I've, hold on. I have a confession to make. I've you never know, seen the Matrix. Oh, right. <gasps> Your task is you need to watch the Matrix and get a notepad <laughs> and pen, right? <laughs> this is really, really interesting. So Morphosis who is definitely playing like the father role in, yeah. in, in Matrix, speaks to Neo, right? Neo okay. is basically like Jesus. Doesn't know who he is, but anyway. Anyway, <laughs> so he's speaking to Neo, and Neo yeah. has been seeking truth. Yeah. He's been searching about the Matrix. Let's call the Matrix the kingdom of God, okay? Okay, okay. Seeking, I, can, I can listen to this one, yeah. Right, right, okay. He's okay. seeking the Matrix. He's heard yeah. about it. Yeah. So loads of things happen. Trinity, who's the woman right. in it, which is funny, um, which is definitely the Holy Spirit, yeah. goes and gets Neo okay. and says, hey, I need to introduce you to Morphosis. <laughs> and Morphosis basically, and this is the famous scene in the movie. Okay. He goes, you've been asking about the Matrix. Yeah. He goes, yes, I've been asking about the Matrix. He goes, okay. <laughs> he goes, red pill. 
blue pill. Okay. And it's a choice. This is the choice. He goes, the red pill. Uh, it might be the red. I don't know which one's red, but basically he goes, the red pill, you take that, you'll never remember anything that I've said. It'll all go back to normal and you'll just keep living your life. The blue pill, I open your eyes to the matrix and you'll never go back to seeing the world the same way. Neo picks the the blue pill, the blue pill or whatever pill is the choice to be in the matrix. Yeah. The next thing that happens is weird. The next thing that happens is Neo wakes up in a weird place with this massive like mask on it. And it's yeah. an image of him being born again. That's literally what the image of it is. He's born again and he pulls all these things off. And he's in this other world. He's in like a spaceship that is called Nebuchadnezzar, something like that, which is another biblical name. Um, and <laughs> in this spaceship, there's Morphosis and there's Trinity. And he's like, what is this? And he goes, this is real. What you were back there was just the Matrix. So the Matrix really is like not the kingdom of God, more like the the world, like no, like the the deception he goes, okay. you've been plugged into the matrix. Yeah. This is truth. Okay. The matrix isn't real. So now that Neo knows that the matrix is matrix isn't real, they go back into the world. Mm-hmm. Awoken. Okay. And there's just walking with Morphosis. Yeah. And he's walking around basically like, yeah, that isn't real. That she isn't real. This isn't real. And he's like, really? And then eventually the film works out that Neo then becomes so aware that the Matrix is within him, this deception is within him, his own mind, because it's plugged into his own mind, that he overcomes the Matrix and the whole thing like crumbles in front of him and he becomes the super-duper guy, right? It's the one. And he goes, he's the one. Right, anyway, that was the long description of the movie. Here's my point. (laughs) I forgot even what the point was. I just got excited about the movie. Oh, the world. That was the point. The world, yeah. That's it. Fine. So the truth is, (laughs) is when you hear the gospel of the kingdom of God, the truth, there's a choice to be made. Do you take the red pill or the blue pill? You can either go, I'm all right, thank you. You know, maybe it's true, maybe it's not, but I like my life. Yeah. I like my Land Rover. I like my nice car. I like my yeah. job. But you know it's not real. You know that's not what life's about. You know that life isn't about getting a good job and retiring and then dying at the age of 75 and that's it. You know there's more. And the invitation is to... For God to open your eyes. The Bible says you must be born again by the spirit. He'll give you the spirit to be born again. So you see the world in a different way and you see the deception. And what happens when you accept the gospel and Jesus comes into your life is when you look into the world, you see the lies. 
you see, you know the truth and you yeah. see what isn't of the truth and everything that we're talking about now. And we talk about what we say and what God says is what's really interesting is when you believe in the gospel and you believe in what God, Jesus is saying, you start to see that the world isn't about the hero and the villains, the wrong and the right. It's all just a game to make you realize, to distract you from realizing that actually everything that you need and everything that you've ever wanted, you've already got within you. Yeah. It's just, don't play the game. Just, yeah. just enjoy it's, it. Does that make yeah. sense? That was a very long spiel. <laughs> that was a very long spiel. And I guess I will have to start watching those movies. I didn't watch them, you know, just because everyone else was watching them. So I was not going to be that person who watched them. And I still haven't. So I might just read the synopsis to to fully understand. But when you were talking about that, you know, I think about we are there's certain games we can't play in our house because we are a very competitive household. Okay. Mm -hmm. And we get very angry when other people beat us, like to the point where you're basically just throwing games. Like it's just, (laughs) it's not good and it's not very healthy, but this is how our family does family. Okay. Um, And, you know, as you're talking about it, it's funny because, you know, Jesus said, you know, it is done. Like the game's over. Right. And so the loser always tries to set the game up again so that they can win. Well, the winner is cleaning up the mess and putting the game away. So what are we going to be doing? Are we going to set the game up again or are we going to clean up the mess that was made? Because, you know, we we can't, we can't do both. When you don't participate in the game, then we're actually cleaning up. Like that's, that's literally what we're doing. We're going out and we're helping other people. We're transforming other people. We're, you know, we're doing things. We're building businesses. We know our identity. We're speak, we're bringing kingdom. We're bringing kingdom wherever we go in every area that we do, because the game's over. It's time to move on. Right. It's, we put the game away and we're done. And now we do the next thing. But for a long time, I think a lot of us, and I know, especially for myself, I've been trapped in that game because I felt I lost. Mm -hmm. And I had to realize I, I didn't lose. I didn't lose. Actually, the game was won before I even got to the table. So I keep trying to win something that was already won, being told that I'm a loser every time. And when I decided not to play the game anymore... There was nobody else to play with. So I just moved on. Mm. Yeah. It's interesting. I feel like this episode was very deep. I don't know how long we've been chatting. We should have kept on the time. <laughs> we should have. We probably should have. I think, I think we've hit our mark now, um, which is, which is really good. You know, it's funny because we don't generally, we don't pick our topics a lot ahead of time. Like we don't, we we actually sit in the spirit and we ask God, what are you just going to talk to people about today and how we can be that conduit to bring it to people. And, you know, today after our conversation that we had about my rough week that I've been having, you know, God says it's time to talk about truth. And I think the reason for that is that I think a lot of us spend so much time 
listening to the world and what it tells us we are and we are not. A lot of what, you know, social media tells us we are not. The jobs are, are you know, even to the point where we sometimes we have family telling us what we are and we are not, you know, and we just need to understand that we need to take it to God. Yeah. We need to, because we're not telling the people who are telling these things are not malicious. They're reacting out of their perspective of the world. They don't have a full understanding. Right. And sometimes they're not even wrong, Mm -hmm. but when we don't bring it to God, when we don't allow him to speak the truth, we start doing things out of the world. Mm-hmm. And that, that is not going to grow us. That's not going to push us. That's not going to, to move us because it isn't, it isn't about right or wrong anymore. So I want to end on, on my favorite story in the Bible. And we're going to say goodbye. My favorite story in the Bible. And I've told this one to you, Luke is the story of Joshua and Joshua made it to the promised land and he had, you know, he've gone, he's gone in and he did some like, um, I don't even know the word it starts with an R, but he like spied on people and, you know, they were going to check out how they were going to get the promised land from, from them and stuff like that. And so he's sitting there and he's talking with his generals and, and all of a sudden an angel appears and Joshua says to them, are you for us or against us? And the angel says, no, I'm on, I am here on behalf of the, of Jesus. I'm here on behalf of God. And right there should be a shining example of it's, it's not right or it's not wrong. It's God. You know, what's funny about that is actually that scripture does kind of say that, but it says something slightly different, but it fits into exactly. It doesn't say, are you for us or against us? What it says is, are you for us or are you for them? It literally divides the world into these two individuals of going, are you with me or are you with them? And he's like, neither. Neither. (laughs) I'm with him. And And it's the same thing with me. It's like, hey, like I'm neither for you or for them. Yeah. I'm for him, for the truth. For the truth. And that's what we're called to do is to live for the truth, not for I want I want to make you feel better. And I don't want to upset you. And then it because that's the world right now. The world is about trying not to upset people. Yeah. Oh, I don't want to say this because, oh, I don't want to upset you. But the truth is you're going to upset either the left or the right, one or the other. Yeah. But who are you living for? Yeah. And you're not living to upset other people. You're not living for them or for them. You're living for him. So the only opinion that you should want or anything that you're meant to invest in is the truth for sure. Yeah. Wow. I tell you, that was an amazing episode. That was, that was a great episode. That was very, very good. That was, that was great. (laughs) That was great. It was was one of them episodes that just was really, really interesting. So Yvonne, thank you so much for having me on the show. 
You are so welcome. Thank you for coming again on our podcast. If you you have really liked this episode, go back and listen to our episodes. I guarantee you're going to like them because Mm -hmm. I'm just that confident in them. Um, And if you want, you can follow us on Instagram on On the Road to Damascus podcast. And then you can also uh, take a moment to follow us on our uh, Instagram, Damascus Experience, where we talk about experiencing and encountering God that changes our life forever. So thank you for joining us. And we uh, cannot wait to speak to you guys again. Bye. Bye.